Yo, what's up, everybody? Welcome to Show Me the Meaning Wisecracks Movie Podcast. We're ready to show you lots of meaning. Is that a, is that a holiday song? Is that what that was? Yeah, it's uh, it's <laughs> beginning to look a lot like Christmas. I don't know. I could it, it could have been better. I don't know. <laughs> well, I <laughs> guess my, that, that was my first time trying it. That was good. That was good. Yeah, sometimes the best take is the first take because it's spontaneous <laughs> and it's real. So we'll we'll run with that one. Uh, anyway, I am. I liked the spirit. That's, and that's what the holiday oh, season you, is all about, right, Amanda? It's the spirit. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So you can mess up. And, that's that's and it. And if today's movie is about anything, it would be about the uh, the power of the holiday spirit. Yeah. And it's also about spirits. Anyway, Am that I was right? a bad joke. Very good, very good. Uh, that's punny. Uh, anyway, I'm Austin. I'm joined by the Show Me the Meaning crew. We got Raymond. Hey, what's up, everybody? Happy holidays. And joining us, especially from the parks of Echo, we have Amanda. (laughs) Hey, guys. What's up? And so what we're going to do is this is going to be our last Show Me the Meaning of the Year. So we figured we got to do something festive. So let me just give the shout outs to everything. We got Merry Christmas. We got Happy Hanukkah. We got Happy Kwanzaa. And then for those of you that are Seinfeld fans, we got Festivus for the rest of us. And then Happy New Year, of course, because we're not going to do Happy New Year. If I've missed any of the holiday shout outs, make sure you uh, educate our asses by sending us an email and let me know what other things I'm neglecting. But happy to all of the holidays. So we're going to talk about a holiday film and we kind of chose a weird one I think um I'm kind of really curious to actually get into this because you know we could have done like Christmas Vacation or Elf or Jingle All the Way Home Alone or Die Hard or you know the ones that get talked about but we decided to go kind of I think in a way this is very wisecracky because we're doing a sort of weird one that has some weird themes potentially but we're talking about Bad Santa it is the Billy Bob Thornton uh, driven vehicle um, directed by Terry Zweigoff, who is uh, of Ghost World fame, for any of you who remember that film. Um, but it stars Billy Bob Thornton, Tony Cox, Lauren Graham, who whenever I see her, she's just Lorelai Gilmore to me, and I'm sorry, she's amazing, but I just can't get that <laughs> out of my head. Uh, John Ritter, rest in peace, I love you, John. Bernie Mac, hilarious. Uh, Cloris Leachman, who I completely forgot is in this, and then a slew of surprising cameos as well of all kinds of other people, and something I did not know, uh, exec produced by the Coen brothers. So... And actually, like, partially written. Yeah, interesting. So maybe that's something we can talk about. But anyway, let's get into first impressions of this film. What was it like to rewatch the film? Let's start with Amanda. I don't know if this was the first time you've seen this film, but... Give us your first impressions, times rewatching it. What was it like watching it this time? Go ahead. Floor is yours. Okay, yeah. So I'm kind of an alien in that I grew up without cable entirely. So I somehow, this movie just like was never on my radar. And I'm like, damn, like this is a, fu- like this is my kind of holiday movie as a Jew. Like just watching like <laughs> Christmas kind of get taken down to task is like it's a ball for us. Um, I actually when I was when I was researching, I, I just like read a little to see what the general reactions were, and all the like Jewish outlets were like, finally a Christmas movie we can enjoy, and I just agree with that sentiment. It was just fun. Okay, yeah, and then uh, Raymond, what about you, brother? Uh, this, this was also, you said this was your first time Total first time, yeah, I'd never even, yeah. Same, yeah, same here, and I, um, I I didn't really know what to expect, because I, I had seen the trailers, and I remember when the movie came out, I remember the marketing, and just thinking, eh, it's probably not for me, um, 
and I really liked Terry Zweigoff's work, so it was I, I was still very intrigued uh, because it just doesn't seem like his type of movie coming off of yeah. Ghost World. Like it just it seems like a bit of a departure for him. So I I, I was apprehensive but intrigued going into this and i gotta say i watched it and i just it just doesn't it it didn't land for me um i thought there was some definitely some good stuff in it there was there was some funny stuff but i just kind of maybe i'm missing the meaning and you guys can help uh help me figure that out um but uh yeah i'm i'm excited to dig into it because it seems like y'all are a bit more enthusiastic than i am so here's the thing. Um, full reveal, this is my first time watching it, too. So what? I feel like we're all... pick was, Whose pick was this? Well, I know, Literally, but here's the thing. Are we all aliens? Well, so I, <laughs> I, had, seen, I had seen clips of it before, and I kind of got it, right? Like, I, I was like, okay, I get it, you know? I get the film. Uh, I, I've listened to people talk about it in reviews. And like I said, I've watched, I did have cable growing up, so I did get to watch, like, you know, clips and things like that. So I, I you know, I dip in and out of it. But I am such a sucker for, like, sentimental family stuff, as much as you wouldn't think that I am as, like, a professional critical theorist in some ways. But, like, I am a sucker for the, give me the, give me the goose pimples and things like that sometimes. So, like, I love a good, like, sentimental holiday film. You know, and I think I, I don't know, like maybe I'm just in the mood for some love right now. Like 2020 has been a brutal year for so many people. And I live in a country where it's been fucking fantastic. And I'm sorry, but like I have survivor's guilt because I live in a country where we've had no cases. Basically, we've had like two community transmissions for the last like month. Are you in New Zealand? um, I'm in Australia. Australia. I'm in Sydney. And in our state, New South Wales, it's been like fantastic for the last few months it's open no one's wearing masks i know (laughs) this is what i mean i have tremendous like it's like i'm calling it survivor's guilt when i talk with my friends back home like it's brutal right so like i'm 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 feeling all of this like self-indulgent guilt and i just want to like feel good towards the end of the year and i'm like i just want something kind of so i watched this film and it was like the darkness of it that i was just like man i just it wasn't for me right now like maybe it would be good for me in march of next year Maybe it'll be great for me in the middle of the year when I'm not like, when I don't need just happiness and family and I'm away from my family and you know, like I can't go home right now. That's the one thing I guess that is a bit of an issue. So it's like, you know, I just wanted some, some happiness. My mom just sent me a Christmas box too with like stocking stuffers and candy and stuff like that. So again, I think I just was, I was in the feels and I wanted some positive feels and I didn't get it. So I think I had like a barrier that prevented me from from being able to enjoy the film, but that doesn't mean I don't think there's interesting stuff we can't talk about in the film. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, oh, just um, uh, just to point out, I guess this was yeah. this was Ryan's pick. Uh, I I forgot, and he um he he couldn't uh, join us today. So uh, I'm, that's ironic. I'm sure he'll be very upset to hear that. <laughs> What's that's that? ironic and fun that he picked it and he's not here. And <laughs> oh, we yeah. all like just found out about it. Well, it's this is on you, Amanda. Since you're you're the only one that seems to be in the uh, in the film's corner, you've got to hold right? it down for Ryan. You know, I, I'll try. I'll try, Ryan. All right, sweet. So, well, first, before we get into that, let's do just a quick recap of the plot of the film, and then we'll go ahead and delve into some of the the meat and bones, I guess, of of what's going on here. So, all right. So, what is Bad Santa? So Billy Bob Thornton plays Willie, a professional thief who, along with his co-conspirator Marcus, dress up as Santa as one uh, and one of his elves, respectively, so that they can gain access to lush department store vaults and goodies. Marcus's wife, Lois, is also in on the setup as the getaway driver. 
Now, Marcus actually tries to take his elf duties somewhat seriously so that they can maintain their cover and the good graces of the department store employers. But Willie is a sex-addicted alcoholic who has no profanity filter around children. However, his safe-cracking abilities are what keep him integral to the plan. When they're hired by a mall in Phoenix, the prudish mall manager Bob, played by John Ritter, notices Willie's rough edges and brings this to the attention of the head of security, Jin, played by Bernie Mac. At the mall, Willie is visited by Thurman Merman, great name, uh, a friendly but gullible and oft-bullied young boy who assumes that Willie is really Santa. Later, Willie meets bartender Sue, who has a Santa fetish, and the two begin a sexual relationship. After some car sex, Willie gets accosted and Thurman intervenes because he wants to save Santa. Afterwards, Willie gives Thurman a ride home, and Willie learns that Thurman's dad is in prison for embezzlement and basically lives alone in a plush home with his senile grandma, so Willie tricks Thurman into letting him stay there as Santa. Now, suspicions at the mall continue to rise, so Jin begins to investigate Willie and Marcus, Meanwhile, tensions between Willie and Marcus increase as Willie's destructive behavior starts to threaten their cover. Jin then learns that Willie and Marcus are indeed the notorious Christmas Eve thieves and blackmails them for half of the score to keep him silent. Willie's condition worsens, and he actually gets to the point where he's attempting suicide by inhaling car exhaust fumes, but he's interrupted by Thurman while he gives Thurman a letter to the police where he confesses everything and reveals the planned Christmas Eve heist. But Willie notices that Thurman has a black eye from some bullies, and he decides to exact some of his own revenge, so he beats up the bullies and forces them to leave Thurman alone. Now, pissed about Jin's blackmail, Marcus and Lois set a trap for him, and they end up killing him. Then, on Christmas Eve, per the plan, Willie, Marcus, and Lois rob the mall. But after some technical difficulties, stall Willie's ability to crack the safe, which is supposedly the uncrackable safe, but he ends up getting it. He finally does get the goods. However, he remembers that Thurman really wanted a pink stuffed elephant for Christmas. So before they can get away, he goes to grab the little toy. But Marcus pulls a gun on Willie and tells him that his increasingly destructive behavior is jeopardizing the operation and that he has to go. But before Marcus pulls the trigger, cops show up because they were tipped off by Willie's letter, and a shootout ensues. But Willie's determined to get that damn pink elephant to Thurman, so he flees to the house, but is shot in the back multiple times before arriving at the door. He survived, however, and then in a voiceover epilogue, Willie explains that he's recovering in hospital. He thanks Thurman and reveals that he was cleared of robbery charges because he's a rat, which, hey man, come on, don't, don't be a rat, right? Isn't that the number one rule if you're a criminal? What? Snitches get... Stitches and ditches or something like that? Anyway, uh, he's cleared of his robbery charges, and he's actually going to work for the cops as a sensitivity counselor. Uh, Sue, Sue is given temporary guardianship over Thurman until his dad's release from prison. Marcus and Lois are in jail, but Thurman uh, has the big arc of the story. He has gained confidence. Well, I guess Willie does too. But Thurman has gained confidence to defend himself and stand up to the bullies, he kicks the bully hard in the nuts at the end, rides away on his bike, flipping off the downed bully. That is the end of the film. All right, before we continue, I want to give a shout out to this week's sponsor, Storyblocks. Storyblocks is your one-stop shop for all your essential stock images, photos, videos, audio clips, and more. Look, any creator knows the perfect audio or image can be essential to perfecting a project. Whether you're starting your quarantine podcast with your best friend, streaming games for your community, or crafting a cinematic masterpiece for a festival, you're gonna need licensed audio. 
With Storyblocks, you can download an unlimited amount of content for personal or commercial use. And once you download an asset, it's yours to keep. Their library contains 1 million assets and they're constantly updating, so you'll almost definitely be able to find exactly what you're looking for. Their unlimited option even includes templates for Adobe programs, which may help you put the finishing touch on your project. So check out everything Storyblocks has to offer by going to storyblocks.com wisecrack or by using the link in the show notes. That's storyblocks.com wisecrack. But before we get back to the show, we also want to give a shout out to another sponsor for this week's episode, NordVPN. Look, you've heard us talk about Nord before. Nord is um, a fantastic VPN server, and what they do is they protect your privacy, and they also give you super access via their many, many, many servers. They have over like 5,259 plus countries that protect your data while you're traveling in public like an airport or a coffee shop. So there's no data logging. They have 24-7 customer support for live chat and emails. You can have up to six simultaneous connections. Plus, it's compatible with most operating systems, including Windows, Mac OS, Linux, iOS, Android. They have unlimited bandwidth, automatic kill switch. So if you want to get access to NordVPN, they're offering a special holiday deal today. If you purchase a two-year plan, you will get an additional four months for free. Just go to nordvpn.com slash showme and use our coupon showme at checkout. Protect your information, folks. We love you. Now let's get back into the show. All right, Amanda, floor is yours. What are your thoughts? You were chomping at the bit there to get in there, so... Give us the goods. Give oh, us the goods. Oh my god, yeah. no. It's because I saw the version where the kid doesn't. There there are three different versions. There's the theatrical version, the extended version, and the director's cut. And I saw whichever one the kid doesn't beat up his bullies. Instead, the movie literally ends with him cleaning up the blood that Santa bled when he was shot. It's just an overhead. Does that happen in the in yours? No. Okay, I think that was spectacular maybe i'm sick but um i got that oh sorry to cut in um (laughs) (laughs) no i got i got that vibe a little bit on the one that i was watching that our ending field a little bit tagged on i know that this this movie was really meddled with by the the Mm -hmm. studio and terry zweigoff had a lot of really hard feelings about it and stuff oh and he's been really open about it he's there are some interviews where he's just like fuck that studio they tried to make it really heartwarming that's not what i wanted that wasn't the point and it sounds like your ending is like so much more heartwarming obviously than like the kid okay wait i actually wrote this down because it was so funny um the kid was cleaning up the blood that Santa bled when he was shot in his front yard while wearing a shirt that says shit happens when you party naked. That's the <laughs> same as ours, except he just has like what he's just kind of cleaning his bike with the, the bucket of water. I think they used pretty much all the same footage and then they just shot a slightly different. Ending. But they just didn't show the cleaning of the blood. Here's here's my thing. I think this is why it bothered me. Not because like I just wanted to have the feels. I think there's more to it than that. I don't think I liked the way that they tried to make this film have a kind of cheesy sentimental arc to it. And that is That's exactly what, is. what the director would have said. And if you'd seen yeah. my version, 
whoa we like watched a different movie no it's like <laughs> like the ending so the ending he reads his letter like the letter is read in voiceover right like it's the same thing mm -hmm. it's just that he beats up yeah. the kids because he had an arc yeah no I, I i definitely i feel like the director would agree with you based on the interviews i've read you watched the director's cut or the extended cut I think the director's cut because it was pretty. It was pretty short. Yeah. I read that. We may have read that same interview with him. I checked out that IndieWire piece where he was talking about how he he gave up like half his salary to get final cut on this, and mm -hmm. then they they hired other directors behind his back and Todd did Phillips their own edit. Filmed additional was it scenes? really? Yeah. I didn't realize it was Todd wow. Phillips. He was directing them. Yeah. Jeez, that's crazy. And then and he had to go into arbitration over it and everything. Like he apparently has very sore feelings about this film, and um, I, I, I don't know. And I get it because the whole point of the movie is like not to deliver on like the the usual typical Christmas glee that Austin is so desperately craving. It was like the anti goal, and so the fact that it happened even a little, like it, for in my opinion, even like in my version, it happened a little too much with like the pink elephant thing, because the whole yes, point of, that was yeah, yeah, and yeah, yeah. No, go like, ahead. That was a little. That was cheesy, and I don't. I didn't right. want cheese from this movie. I wanted like the darkness of seeing a match cut of a man's like head getting. Getting That's crushed it. Yeah. by a tire yeah, with, with the, the, with the bubble gum popping. Bubble gum exploding. Yeah. yeah, that was that was great. I think that's exactly what it is. It was trying to have its cake and eat it too sort of thing, right? Mm -hmm. It was trying to have both at times. And if it's going to go dark and cynical, like, then go dark and fucking cynical. Yeah. But then, like, you don't need to sugarcoat it. Right? Like, this is what I, one of the things I've loved about living out of America. I lived in the UK. I lived in England. I lived in Scotland. I lived in Ireland. Now I live in uh, Australia. I lived in Europe for a bit as well. Um... They have a dark sensibility. Such a bragger. No, no, but they, but <laughs> they have. I, 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 oh my god! And one of you the things that's so passport. great about it. I know. I've, I, I have to have two actually because my other one's too oh, full with stamps. I'm sorry. My I'm sorry. Okay. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I can't. I'm even. sorry. I'm such a douchebag. I'm such a douchebag. Um, I need take your I need two that cultural clout. And shut. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and so, but one of the things I love is I didn't realize how, uh, not dark and how sentimental I was and how much American films are just totally sentimental. Uh, but then when you go to Europe and you live in the UK, I mean, they got like a dark sense of humors and I really appreciate that. Right. And I've come to appreciate and to grow, to learn, to love that type of humor. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's one of the things that, that I feel like was missing from this is that it should have just leaned into the blackness right of the black comedy rather than try to kind of like appease the american audience by being like oh no but like we're all good inside and we're all potentially yeah. savable no and that's so real and like like raymond and i have been saying like in the interview the director even i, I read a different interview it was like a new york times like like store like it was interviews with like everyone who worked on it like interspliced what do you call that like an oral hist oral history. Thank you. Yes. And in it, the director was just like, yeah, they wanted something fucking sentimental. So they shot extra scenes and I was like, fuck you. Um, so, yeah. So if it had just been really dark, you would have liked it more. Yeah, I, I can see how I so. this movie exists in the um, in like the Terry Zweigoff filmography. Like every single one of his movies is about people who are exist on like a very limited spectrum somewhere between completely antisocial and just downright misanthropic. 
Mm-hmm. Um, like, and that's pretty much every one of every one of his films. So I, I, I get what would be interesting to him about this from like the Cohen script, which I imagine was much darker and, um, you know, they've worked in this similar sort of space before. Um, and, and, and I could see this going more in the direction of like blood simple, but for the holidays or something kind of like the ice harvest, the Harold Ramis movie, uh, which also stars Billy Bob Thornton. Now that I think about it. Um, but, I, you know, when I was watching it, it does have that notion or, or that vibe to it that, like, it, it, it wants to get its its all of its laughs from being really transgressive and, and you know, insulting mm-hmm. to all these kids. But then it does it does veer off into these sort of, like, sentimental cul-de-sacs that don't really go anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess the one thing I can give credit for is, like, the, the pink elephant thing is the bare minimum of growth for him. Like it's the, you know, whatever. It's the thing this kid asked for. He doesn't have to put any thought into it. He almost forgets which color it is. Like, so I can see that being sort of an indication of like, yes, he's growing, but it's going to be baby steps. So I, I I can kind of, you know, let that one off the hook a little bit. But I do think the the ending where it's like, here's a letter from, uh, from jail or wherever he is, the hospital yeah. rather, mm-hmm. where explaining like, everything's going to work out fine for us going forward. I'm like, I don't know about all that. <laughs> like, this is not a happy family. <laughs> like, for sure. It's, uh, you know, it's it's on the brink of, uh, of falling apart at every moment. It's the new normal. Come on, that's the new normal. They're happy, but they're on the verge of not being happy, you know? I, I, mean, I wonder if they explore any more of that stuff. If the other, I, I think that Thurman is in Bad Santa 2, which I haven't seen, but I, I don't, have not I, either. I'm not sure. I did like write down as I was watching like the joke is like a little bit one note it's like Santa throwing up in a trash can isn't that funny if you've like witnessed SantaCon in New York City survivor I think I wasn't a participant but I was a a witness um yeah there's like a little bit where you're like oh it's funny because it's Santa but it's like it it gets a little old I would say um that's what I was just gonna say like is it even yeah, is it even that shocking to be like, oh, so he likes anal sex? Like, how many anal sex jokes are there? Like, ooh, like fuck, post girls is that fun? That's the other thing too. I feel like if it's it's outdated a little bit, right? Like, like there was a time when the TV show Girls made you know like eating butts out the point of conversation online. So I feel like we have kind of changed as a society where things that would have shocked maybe in 2002 or 1994 or 1970 don't shock as much so i'm not sure the jokes land as heavy and i think that's part of it maybe I you know so I for me i'm like really, okay that's yeah so he says real. bad words in front of kids and he has anal sex and he uh sleeps with big women Ooh, are we supposed to laugh because he's having sex with big women and oh they keep using the word midget rather than little people like i feel like it's a very sort of like they're trying to be edgy and shocking, but I feel like we're in an age now where we kind of, our sensibilities have changed. We're also a little bit, like some of it's a little cringy, but not cringy in like a, oh, ha ha, that's funny because they're trying to work through these like um, politically correct issues, but rather it's kind of cringy because it's like, eh, that's just not really for us anymore. You know, like. In, I would actually I disagree a little in that um, Tony Cox is the actor, I believe. Yep. What, what it, yep. What's the character's name? I Marcus. Marcus, right, thank you. Uh, like, I do feel like Marcus actually, like, had, like, I, I, I feel like for 2003, Marcus was, like, pretty cool. Like, like they, like, the one time Billy Bob Thornton makes a joke about his height, 
he's like, oh, that's what you're coming up. It's like made the, the it's made to be like, oh, you're such a loser that you're attacking his height when he just attacked your entire character and took you down in 30 seconds. Whereas I feel like the stuff about like little people versus like dwarf was like more about like PC-ness than actually making fun of him being short, if that makes sense. Like, and there's also a, a weird sort of rope-a-dope that they do with that character because he, he turns on Billy Bob Thornton at the end, but throughout the movie, he seems to genuinely care about him. And, like, he's sort of the movie's moral compass a lot of the time in a way that, like, makes the pill of all the humor at his expense go down a little bit more smoothly because he's the only and character in it who seems to And he has great monologues just, like, decimating, decimating Billy Bob Thornton. He's really good like, in he's it, like, yeah. You, oh, my God. One thing that is so random and specific, they kept making jokes about, like, women giving birth through their buttholes. And I am not a body humor person, but I laughed every time so hard. They're like, you're like, mom, shat you out. I'm like, what are you talking about? But it's so, the, the Coens actually, when they did their revisions, they mainly focus on dialogue. And I feel like there are just, like, so many good dialogue. Anyway, sorry, that was a, that was a sidetrack. No, that's great. That's great. Yeah, it is interesting, right? I, I go ahead. No, go ahead, Raymond. Um, I think some some of those lines you're referring to. Oh no, I was just going to say some of those lines you're referring to. I don't remember being in our cut, so I'm I am curious how much is different. No, no, I was just going to say it's uh, just sorry, like kind of an interesting ahead. thing to think about, like how does humor land in a shifting social landscape, right? Like oftentimes people talk about we live in a post nine eleven world and you can't make certain types of films anymore because we've been jaded in in certain directions or uh, we've kind of matured in certain ways or we've just kind of gone down different paths and so there's like this almost like clear historical demarcation like before nine eleven and after nine eleven kind of thing right and similarly I wonder if there's like a before financial crisis after financial crisis before me too and times up after me too and times up before whatever this is after whatever this is you know like and does that somehow change our sensibility when we're watching it not just at an individual level but even more at like this kind of like like a, like there's an organic consciousness that affects how it is that we can even receive certain types of um comedic presentations it, not just that but also from like a, a pop cultural perspective that like i think that this movie would have hit a lot harder before uh, yeah its entire career like I got, I got serious Your Highness vibes from this, where you kind of mentioned Amanda that the the one joke is essentially like the juxtaposition of Santa and being awful to children, like the you know the the ideal of Santa juxtaposed with Billy Bob Thornton's terrible behavior, and in the 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 Danny McBride movie Your Highness, where it's like him and James Franco in medieval times, it's essentially the same thing. the The one joke throughout the whole thing is like their their old old-timey people and they use modern obscenities in uh in like an old english framework and it's just it, i kept being reminded of that and i'm once again not crazy about that movie either and it was just one of those things that made me feel like yeah this 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 whole thing just feels a little one notey there there were i i think standouts like i said i thought tony cox was really good i think bernie mac is always funny on screen um but I just, I don't, I don't know. I just, I, I felt like there was really no there there. I just didn't really I know what we were supposed like... to Yeah, no, even though I said it's like kind of one note, I do feel like there were some nuances. Like there were some like little things that I was picking up on. Like, 
for this is just one example they keep saying the line let me fix you some sandwiches like the grandma says it the kid says it they say it over and over again until billy bob thornton is just like why do you keep talking about sandwiches and if you think about it that's like the only expression of affection in the entire movie like they have no they have no language for like expressing like love and affection so they're like let me make you a sandwich it's just it's like it's like little things like that are just like that, that i just felt like were really funny um okay this is this is actually a really yeah no, no this is going to be it, a really interesting thing i'm going to do an program. ad real quick but on the other side let's talk a little bit about that cuz i think that kind of gets us into what is it that makes a holiday film a holiday film cuz there's something about human connection and family and stuff like that right and that sandwich line might lead into that but let me give a quick shout out to shutter another sponsor for this week's episode we've talked about shutter before shutter is really sick shutter is the world's premier streaming service for horror thriller and supernatural best. content it's spooky 24/7 365 on shutter uh, just because Halloween is coming past, that doesn't mean that the scares don't continue. There are plenty of good Christmas, Hanukkah-themed, and I don't know about other than that. Like, I don't know if there's a Kwanzaa horror film, but fuck, there should be a Kwanzaa horror film. Um, and if there is, I guarantee you it's on Shudder. Um, but so you can go to Shudder and get access to the largest collection of acclaimed horror movies and series right up to your favorite devices, which includes iPhone, iPad, Apple TV, Xbox One, Amazon Fire TV, Google Chromecast, Roku, Android devices, etc., etc., etc. You can stream great thrillers, horror, and suspense for only $5.99 a month. That's $56.99 a year. And they have a unique collection as well of exclusive and original films and series, as well as horror classics and blockbuster hits. Um, I talked about it last time. Raymond, did you check out Leap of Faith, the William Friedkin uh, doco? No, no, I haven't. I haven't watched that. I would really recommend this. Amanda, if you're a fan of horror as well, Leap of Faith, it's it's William Friedkin on The Exorcist, where he basically talks about the making of the film, the production of the film, the ideas behind the film. It's freaking fantastic. So I would definitely recommend that one. I'm a huge Friedkin fan, and Exorcist is obviously like a perennial classic in understanding what horror is and it's influenced everybody so check out leap of faith that's a fantastic one and then of course they have a huge vast selection of content a huge international library range of genres etc so to get started um go to shutter.com uh, and use the promo code show me and you can try it for 30 days for free so that's uh, to get 30 days for free go to shutter.com use the promo code show me and of course Click the link in the show notes if you want just a little bit of a shortcut. But again, that's Shutter.com, and promo code is SHOWME for 30 free days. All right, so uh, go ahead. Raymond, you were about to say something, and Amanda was talking about the sandwiches, and I feel like there's something there. And I was thinking about, like, like what makes a holiday film a holiday film? And is it about the people coming together? It is about community? Is it about tradition? And these are people who don't have any of that shit. So then is the offer of a sandwich and like just the basic eating together, is that kind of the gift that is given for the season? Well, yeah. I don't even think it's like, oh, sorry. I totally jumped on that. But just, like, I, I think it's supposed like the sandwich line is supposed to be sad because that's the only way that thurman and his grandmother that, that's the only way his grandmother can express affection to him and then when he's trying to care for billy bob thornton that's how he is like this is how i care for someone make them like two pieces of bread with bacon and i mean not bacon whatever you know what i mean but sorry <laughs> what were you gonna say raymond <laughs> sure 
with baloney. Oh no, I was just gonna. I, I I think you're you're onto something there. It's a kid trying to help in the only way that he knows how because he it, he's so out of his element. He doesn't really understand adult problems, and uh, he he hasn't uh, become as cynical as Billy Bob Thornton, obviously. But I think it it may be similar, like at least how I read the the pink elephant thing. It may be similar to that psychologically. That you know, making someone a sandwich is just the the baseline like i can i can help put fuel in your body and keep you living for another day and it's just one of those things that you don't you don't have to hug each other or cry over it you don't have to have a big moment about it it's like just just baseline nourishment like we're we're just learning how to take care of ourselves and take care of each other and it's all these just these really really little acts of um of I don't even necessarily know that it's altruism, but just basic affection. Like this is this is one of the first. Yeah, and it's sad, to, like Amanda said, because it is so basic that maybe we take it for granted. But it's also really lovely because that it's a genuine, sincere expression of uh, gift giving, and then um, and I mean that not just in the Christmas or uh, holiday sense, but of gift giving in the anthropological sense, right? Of some sort of act of reciprocity and community building. And what you do when you give a gift is you forge a bond, right? And so I think there's something in that as well that is also kind of beautiful. But it's sad because you're like, damn, like, that's a very impoverished form of gift giving from the perspective of a bourgeois holiday, which is all about like opulence and giving fucking watches and vacations and cars and obviously they live in a huge home too which is also important to understand and their dad is a criminal an embezzler so they have this this massive amounts of wealth in this massive <laughs> home but it comes at what cost so i think they can't take care of each other yeah and and there is something something to that i think that, that we also could be <laughs> reading way into this. I just imagine people in the chat being like, guys, it's a sandwich. No, but they but, say it like five um, times. I sw- in my cut, at well, least. That's, that, what, what I was going to say is that it might just be like one of those weird, just recurring gags that they thought of. When, when he thinks the grandma is dead and she like jumps to, back to life and she goes, I'll make you guys some sandwiches. And then just like darts out of the frame. It's just, it's just one oh, of those yeah. weird sort of like... Uh, things that you just you just and get used to was, hearing. Like, something I loved about this movie was just like how weird the world was. It almost felt like mm. a really like low budget exploitation film in some moments. Like <laughs> like I had some like uh, the room flashbacks in that moment when the kid comes to the door and Santa literally has her underwear in his mouth and he's just like I came to give you a gift and the woman's like <laughs> sure, hi yeah. little kid. And Billy Bob is like, oh, thanks for the gift. And nobody acknowledges that they were, like, literally just having, like, about to have sex. And it was just very surreal. And there were a lot of, like, there were were a lot, a fair amount of moments like that where you're just like, like, what is going on? Like, what is this world? I kind of took that as, like, the kid is just oblivious to everything. Because he's like, bye, bye, Mrs. Uh, Santa's sister. Or right. whatever, right? Oh, right. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. But but so he I, knew he knew that Billy Bob Thornton was railing Santa's Santa's sister. Yeah, right. So um, it was just weird. And, and and Billy Bob Thornton's character is also just completely numb to everything. But it was like it was it was it was uh, not Lorelai Gilmore. What is her name? <laughs> Lauren anyway, Graham. Lauren Lauren Graham, goddess. Uh, but it was just her complete nonchalance that this little boy was like seeing. Yeah, it, I mean, I don't, I don't know. It, there were just moments that were like soup, like hyper real or just not real. I don't know. You know what I mean? 
Yeah, there's also a weird thing happening with her character that, like, I don't, I don't necessarily know that I was uh, offended by that character or the the portrayal of her, but it was like, I don't really know anything about her other than she has a Santa Claus fetish, which is such a weird thing to take away from your movies kind of sort of central relationship okay so i had some thoughts on that i was thinking about it because i was like yeah you're right literally all we know about her is that she wants to fuck santa claus however it's 2003 like how often do you see like female desire actually portrayed on screen like she knew what she wanted and she got it and i'm not saying it's feminine it's certainly not a feminine she's very it is certainly not a feminist film i cannot stress that enough but I mean, having a female character whose sexual desire is fulfilled and who, like, asks and gets what she wants, it didn't bug me as much. Also, because maybe because the 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 boy was was also kind of one note. He was just, like, a creepy, intense boy. I don't feel like he, we really peeled <laughs> back the onion on him. So I almost mm. felt like they were kind of maybe all slightly superficial characters in a way that... Like it didn't it didn't particularly bug me that she was. Yeah, yeah, she's not given any more short shrift than most of the right. other characters. And I'm like the um, first to call a movie sexist. Like, yeah, and to add a, to add like a <laughs> sentimental slick to this whole thing too is it's also kind of nice because you, listen, man, people are fucked up. We all have trauma. We all have issues. And I think that the the issue is usually if some sort of fetish comes from. I mean, I do a lot of work in psychoanalysis, so I'm not saying it's fucked up in a judgmental sense, but we all have tweaks, we all have quirks, we all have interesting things, right, yeah. that, that, that stimulate, kinks, yeah. yeah, that stimulate our desires, everyone's got a kink, right, and so uh, Billy Bob Thornton is a sex addict who's an alcoholic, and he's got destructive behavior, and this woman has a particular sexual fetish, and they kind of find each other in the midst of whatever turmoil or life traumatic experiences that they're kind of experiencing. And again, this isn't a judgment because I think that everyone has trauma and I think that the human experience is trauma. So the point is, is that how do you find different people to journey with alongside in the sort of like management or adjustment of dealing with your own traumatic experience? And so for me, there's kind of something lovely about the fact that they're like, fuck, we can enjoy each other. We can have a sexual relationship. And there's so much casual ease about it too, where she says something like, "Uh, are you going to call me? And he's like, yeah, I'm going to send you some of those roses or whatever. She basically is like, yeah, fuck you, whatever. You know, like they right, know. She knows they that's know. not the relationship. Yes, that's not the relationship. And they are totally fine with it. And there's no expectations. They're not trying to like live the family. They're not trying to, to fulfill some sort of romantic ideal. Yeah. It is what it is. And I think that is really I cool. I do like that the movie never tries to push them in that direction. And that even even at the end of it, when she's, you know, she's soaking her feet in the hot tub and uh, they're explaining in the, the voiceover that... You know, she's kind of uh, lucked into this position as his guardian. It's it's like, yeah, we're we're all just gonna sort of ride this train as long as it goes. Then <laughs> just you just kind of get this. Don't we all dream all, of finding our all just mall taking advantage of this situation? Santa. Yes, yes, Amanda, <laughs> right, a hundred percent. Am I wrong? <laughs> also, it's funny no. you brought up feet because one of my biggest notes was there are two pedicure scenes in this movie both involving men. In one, Tony Cox is doing his wife's toenails, and the other, Bernie Mac, is getting his toenails done and being really bossy about it. I feel like that really speaks to, like, the entire film's just, like, engagement with, like, masculinity in general. Like, there's a lot of, like, what it, like, what is a man? 
and you know like like uh the main character takes everything as an assault on his manhood you know they talk about performance mm. and he's like my fuck sick works blah 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 yeah, yeah like and and i i feel like it definitely is engaging with that not to like mm. leap points but no 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 yeah yeah and he even i like, mean this is what oh sorry no, no go ahead go ahead well i was just gonna say he even like there's like that weird moment when the kid gives him his pickle present and it's like a phallus. Yes. And I'm like, okay, yeah. I didn't have to read too far into that at all. That was really like on the nose. But yes. like when he beats up the kids who were who were beating up Thurman, he like he feels really validated and it it's almost like caring for a kid like gave him his phallus is I feel like is like the coded message. I don't I don't know. Am I crazy? All, all I know is that that was that was one of the few times I had a good laugh in this movie was when he was like he's in in the car about to kill himself, and then as soon as he uh, avenges this kid, that I think the next scene it, it cuts from him beating the shit out of like a bunch of little kids to him going, you know, I think I'm getting my groove back, <laughs> I'm feeling better. It's like he was literally like had a fucking uh, exhaust pipe in his mouth two scenes ago, but as soon as he gets the chance to just take out some of his aggression on some children, he's like, yeah, I really, I really think things are turning around for old Will. I really, like, I actually <laughs> wrote the line down. He says, I beat the shit out of some kids today but it was for a purpose, made me feel good about myself. <laughs> it was something constructive with my life. I did something constructive with my life. Like I accomplished something. Like he's, he's thinking, this is the moment in most movies where the, uh, the, the safe cracker leaves the life of crime behind so they can take up a profession of uh, beating the shit out of children. <laughs> <laughs> like he's found his calling in that moment. You know, one of the things that kind of is adjacent to all of this, or maybe that is parallel to all of this, is I love the physical transformation of Billy Bob. From the beginning of the film, he's more concerned with wearing the Santa mask, and then it becomes less uh, less on until the very end. He's not even wearing the Santa beard at all, and he's just sitting there with his stubbly beard until the very end when he's shot. Um, it's basically just him uh, kind of getting shot in the back with with no like pretense whatsoever to try to be Santa. So there's like even though he's already like we meet him in media res, we already meet him in the midst of his kind of alcoholism and his addiction. Um, there's still what we see is a sort of physical transformation through the like use of the beard or the lack of use of the beard. And I think that like it's almost like he kind of is like I don't need to hide behind this mask and he kind of just becomes and I think beating up the kids is one of those moments where he's like fuck it, I'm just going to be me and this the, as much as Marcus is done with him doing the Santa shtick, he's done too, you know? Like, he's done with it as well. And so, in a way, the kind of relationship with Lauren Graham, Sue, uh, the relationship with Thurman, the kid, like, it kind of does... It is... There is this kind of, like, uh, an arc that you get. And what, is, what does it mean? Is that the sentimental interpretation of it? Like, somehow he's found himself? Or is it just kind of like the, the simple kind of psychoanalytic? No, you just got to adjust to your trauma, right? It isn't about a cure. It isn't about fixing contradiction. It's about becoming reconciled to contradiction rather than resolving contradiction, you know? And that I think there's something kind of nice about that. Because it isn't too preachy. You know what I mean? Whereas a lot of times the sentimental films with the salvation, they become preachy. And then that's like, this is what's normal. And you out there need to recognize that this is what the normal man is, the normal mom is, the normal woman, the normal child, the normal family. This one doesn't quite do that. And I think, Amanda, you're absolutely right. Is it kind of does throw a wrench into a lot of those kind of PC topics, right? 
Yeah, I was just thinking about <laughs> when you were talking about him, like, slowly losing his Santa-ness. Like, I was thinking yeah. there's that moment when he's, like, first having sex with Lauren Graham, and he's like, can I just take off the hat? And she's like, no, keep it on. And actually, that yes. was, like, the main thing that really was bugging me about the movie is that if she loves him or wants to have sex with him as Santa, and he's, like, moving past being Santa, that kind of, like, that felt thematically a little off to me. And I was a little, like, I don't know if that, is that crazy? Mm-mm. No, no, I get it. I think that's where the sentimentality does come in because then they're, they're trying to be like, oh, maybe they do have this connection at a deeper level beyond the fetish, beyond right, the symptom. Right, right, for sure. Right? I think what I loved most was just how the kid wasn't like a vehicle for like his reformation to 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 most extents like the pink elephant like i said i had a problem with but for the most part the kid was just a creepy fucking stalker that he was taking advantage <laughs> of there was yeah. like nothing cute or adorable about it and i loved that but what about that bit when when willie is like you know i'm not fucking santa and the kid goes i know like right. i think that he knew he knew all along that he wasn't santa but he doesn't have a father figure so willie right. becomes this kind of like perverse form of somebody that he can look up to but it's all kind of screened through the mirage or the fantasy of the santa figure but it's not the the christmas santa figure that we're typically fed it's some fucking profanity laden alcoholic kind of um a little bit of a loose cannon type of figure so there is some i don't know there's there's some sort of maturity in will uh, in thurman um as well because he kind of is aware of the truth all along. He just kind of uses it because he needs to deal with his own trauma. God, I'm on the trauma shtick right now. I'm sorry. Family trauma. Is, <laughs> but it's everywhere, man. Well, I mean, they do they do explicitly sort of uh, uh, bring that stuff up every in a handful of scenes with different characters. So I, I don't think you're far off with that. I, I think that the the other thing, too, with the kid is that it's like this is very clear that he's got he's got nothing else to do. He's like. He has no no parent figure. Forget about a father figure. He, I mean, he barely has any kind of supervision whatsoever. And it's just one of those things. It's like, maybe I wish... There's a part of me that wishes the kid was given a little bit more... A, a little bit more to play with. That there was maybe some self-awareness layered in. Or that you, you got some glimpses of him kind of like knowing that he's fucking with Billy Bob Thornton. And, you know, just kind of like doing it to do it. Um, because... As it is, you're, you're kind of like, what is this fucking kid's deal? <laughs> like, there's nothing. But I do. I think that's part of of the movie's project is that they don't they don't ever want you to feel like they're doing the the whole maudlin like, oh, and this kid turned my life around. And so you're like, this is not a kid who turns bad guys' lives around. Right. <laughs> he's just he's just there. <laughs> like he's just he's a total weirdo, and I love that. I don't know. That was like my favorite part of the movie. It's just that like you think when you first see him, you're like, oh, fuck, this kid is going to change this guy's life. And I don't want to see that again. And then it totally doesn't. All right. Well, final. In, uh, that little. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say final thoughts on the film real quick. And then we're going to jump into the mailbag. Go ahead, Raymond. Oh, I was just going to say that uh, that little kid is in a another holiday uh, themed film called Trick or Treat. <laughs> uh in in which early on in the movie he his face gets carved into a jack-o'-lantern so uh anyone who was annoyed by him uh maybe billy bob thornton included you can uh get a, a nice cathartic viewing experience by seeing his uh his his head carved into a big smiling halloween face amanda any final thoughts on the film yeah wait we never talked about consumerism 
the film is totally i mean this is like pretty on the nose there but like he's he even yeah. says like you need all this stuff it's like it's very much and it, it like the irony of like santa the one who's supposed to be giving you your bike or your blah 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 is like becomes like the thief i just feel like it's i feel like it's fun and smart i don't know i had a good time yeah oh, sure yeah, Santa, who is essentially, like, just the... the he giver. is the living embodiment that's of it. consumerism. Yeah, you know? and that's why I like the gift exchange uh, motif, because it is. It's very much... Uh, or the sandwich as being, like, a simple gesture, or, like, this kid makes... The advent calendar. Yeah, and, 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 yeah and the kid oh, makes the little pickle thing. And he cuts his hand in the process, right? So, again, there's something about just giving of yourself, right? That, that is the kind of like the, the, the important connection and bond that is made in human reciprocal relations. Whereas uh, the accumulation of just shit from strip malls and from department stores is the vacuous, superficial, and banal element of, of Christmas. And you kind of do get that at the end where Billy Bob Thornton is like, dude, do you need all that shit? Like, just find someone who's going to enjoy you because they have their trauma and you have your trauma and you can have a great relationship and just have fun with each other. Find a little kid that's going to make you a fucking sandwich and make a little pickle thing. Like, <laughs> like can't you just enjoy kind of like the, the simple things Wait, of human pickles connection? Wait, pickles go on sandwiches. Whoa. Whoa. Pickles go on sandwiches. <laughs> and Lauren Graham may be an enabler, but one of the few times you see a smile on Billy Bob Thornton's face in this is when she just comes over with like a bottle of alcohol wrapped in the little you know, paper bag from the liquor store and he gets really happy to see Oh my god, then. I didn't That's get right. that scene. We saw completely different movies. Completely <laughs> different movies? Yeah. <laughs> Alright, we're Austin and I will watch your version, you watch our version, Fair. we'll come back next Deal. week. Next year. Next year we'll reconvene next and we'll year. do this again. Okay, all right. Uh, before we jump into the mailbag, we got to give a shout-out to our final sponsor. It's Magic Spoon. So for those of you who follow me on my socials or who've listened to the podcast or my other podcast, Owls at Dawn, for a while, you know that I'm a pretty healthy dude. I eat well, exercise, etc., etc. But I have a weakness. My weakness is cereal. And this is just a freaking fact. I love I sugary cereals. Well, come on. Yeah, that too. But but no, cereal is a weakness. I love it. I will eat a whole box of cereal, which is basically just like puffed sugar splashed with some liquid sugary protein juice. But this is why Magic Spoon is great, because Magic Spoon has stuff to offer that is zero sugar, 11 grams of protein, and only three net grams of carbs in each serving. They have four flavors, cocoa, fruity, frosted, and blueberry. Jump on that cocoa, trust me. It tastes amazing, um, and it's keto-friendly, it's gluten-free, uh, definitely make sure that if you do have gluten sensitivities, if you're celiac, anything like that, even just a little bit, you really want to make sure that you kind of cut that stuff out. It will mess you up in the long term. It's grain-free, it's soy-free, it's low-carb and GMO-free. So you can go to magicspoon.com slash showme to get a variety pack and try it today. Be sure to use our promo code showme at checkout as well, and that'll save you five bucks off your order. That's magicspoon.com slash showme. Use our promo code showme at checkout. You save five bucks off of your order. That's magicspoon.com slash showme, or click a link in the show notes show notes let's get into some mailbag stuff uh we might only be able to get to one voicemail uh, and then one email but let's see what we can do i really want to get to lucy's voicemail who wants to chime in about goldfinger which is the gift that just keeps on giving in terms of content so lucy take it away hey guys this is lucy long time listener lover of everything wisecrack uh i was listening to your podcast on goldfinger and you guys made a mention of how it's a man's man's movie and it should be okay to make these kinds of films, um, even with, you know, the problematic behaviors 
of James Bond, basically. So I was thinking maybe it's not that the problematic behaviors of Bond were acceptable or shouldn't be made into a film, but rather it's the behavior of the film and the way they put it under that kind of microscope or the lens that they put the behavior under as something acceptable or something that women want. If that changed or if Bond was condemned for his behavior, I don't think that a movie with those kinds of behaviors would be wrong. Um, more like if they gave it a lens of, well, this isn't acceptable, this isn't what women want, this is, you know, fucked up, then I would say like, oh yeah, that's, that, I, I complete, me as a woman, I'd accept it on film, because it'd be like, yeah, you're absolutely right, it's unacceptable, and I don't want anybody watching the film to think it's okay. So I think, personally, I think that it should remain as is, because Bond is basically, like you said, he's basically frozen in amber, so as long as the problematic behavior is pointed out to be that, I don't think I'd have any problem going and watching these movies as a woman um, with those kinds of, you know, erroneous uh, actions. But that's just me. I don't know about anybody else. Maybe if we live in such a PC community that nobody can watch problematic behaviors on screen, even though it happens. And I think it would be healthier to put it on film and say, that's not okay. And for people to say, oh, maybe that's not okay. Even James Bond is, you know, getting into trouble for this kind of thing. But anyway, love you guys. Uh, I don't know what you think. I don't know if you'll play this, but hearts to all of y'all and take care. Bye. All right. What do we think? Yeah. Amanda, go ahead. Well, I I think I think Lucy was her name? Yes. Okay. Yeah. No, I think Lucy hit it on the head, right? It's all about context. Like... I can, you know, I can watch problematic behavior as long as it's like on on in a in a movie without being super upset as long as it's contextualized and I think the big problem is that it usually isn't. Um and that's when it's just like a bummer. I don't know. Like I mean I mean, I feel like, honestly, like as a woman and also like I can't speak to like what like much more marginalized people than like oh, being a white woman like experience when they watch cinema it's like a it's like a it's like a, a, a diagram of like shitty to like okay <laughs> and it's like where do you fall between shitty and okay just because so much of it is like so much of our media is through a prism of like white maleness um yeah i don't know i guess it's complicated i mean it would be weird to suddenly make james bond a feminist that would feel weird <laughs> but yeah, and that's and that's what the point of the that she's responding to was is that um, we talked about some I, I put some stuff out on my socials every once in a while uh, ahead of podcasts and was like, what do you think of this? And I had a friend who is uh, a, a, an avid film watcher, but big time supporter of James Bond, and she was basically like, fuck it, let this guy do his thing, let him bone some women and kill some people with a pencil was like exactly what she said. And she's like, and I know that's problematic, but she's like, sometimes I want a problematic Bond. And then I thought that that was it's a really interesting talking point, and this really relates to something that a friend of mine were talking about on the Owls at Dawn podcast was about like should uh, because I think Netflix and things like that were talking about putting trigger warnings on certain films and some of the streaming services were going to say like this has certain content and like should should they even censor stuff and like not allow things and we were thinking like is there a way that you have films almost in a way that you would have like you know the issue of tearing down statues where they're kind of like canonized but as um, like museum pieces where you say look this film was made in this way under this context it contains these themes and then you have almost like 
I don't know, like a little critical analysis associated with the synopsis. I don't know what the answer is, but it's, I know it's something that people are talking about. And would you do something similar with Bond, where you say, like, oh, there's James Bond, but James Bond was made in 1963, written by a notoriously homophobic author, and uh, tackles some very terrible themes, and there's, like, a, a trigger warning for uh, a sexual assault in Goldfinger, and all this other stuff, and it has these other themes. Like, do we want that? in our our like Maybe? statues our digital statues like, yeah kinda, right. yeah something... i don't know i kind of think so i don't know i feel like i don't i would rather see a trigger warning than like worry that somebody was like extra traumatized by seeing i don't know that's just my opinion yeah. i don't think there's anything wrong i think kinda... i think people who complain about trigger warnings i feel like it's like get over yourself like it's it's a well fucking... and then would you yeah and would you want something even more like maybe like a not like a philosophical analysis. I'm a geek and I want that. But would you want something that like, uh, and then here's like an explanation of the themes and where they come up and how they come up. And then here's a, a you know, like a, a little link to an essay on, you know, the issue of the male gaze and all of this other Like, would you want, like, I would want something like that because yeah. I'd want more information, I'd be down for that. right? It'd be like an educational <laughs> moment as well. Yeah, that, that stuff is always accessible, and I think in some ways, like the MPAA logo that comes up and says, you know, this movie is rated R for X, Y, and Z, that acts as something of a trigger warning. But I, I, I think there's a there's a problem, it, or I, I don't think they make a distinction between like sexual content slash nudity and full on sexual assault, which is what happens in Gold. I mean, there are some. And, there are like some like depictions of sexual assault that they would rate pg-13 and other and like yeah. some depictions of consensual like sex bond, that they would rate yeah. r like the rating system is so fucked. that's another story i feel like it does yeah. kind of come down to the like archer like like uh james bond versus archer like archer makes it very clear when the protagonist is acting like a shithead i don't think anybody wants to yeah. like emulate that behavior whereas yeah obviously Bond is very different. Bond is yeah. essentially just like male wish fulfillment. Right. And I think that's where the argument comes down is like the difference between depiction and endorsement. Like, I think that any movie can depict something tastefully, uh, but I would say in Goldfinger, I mean, they're endorsing Bond's whole fucking shtick, his whole worldview. He's the hero of the, the longest running film franchise in history. It's like, yeah, I'm pretty sure they're endorsing all of his shit heel behavior. And that's where I have an issue with it that I'm just like, I don't feel like I want to watch. I don't think we should wave a wand and make Goldfinger disappear. But I'm like, I don't think I'll be rewatching this one anytime soon. Literally, my first boyfriend's bar mitzvah was James Bond themed. And he had a bit. Oh my god, I shouldn't get into this. No, but there was like a video they played for the entire go for the to, entire go to party. patreoncom for this whole story. <laughs> there was just a, there was a video that they played of him just like posing with a bunch of like half naked like like women in bikinis on a boat being bonded. And I was like, "You're 13. Ugh. What is going on?" And then I dated him anyway. Yes, completely. <laughs> and, that, well, and that's how he reeled you in. <laughs> yeah. Well, I do. I do want to hear more, um, but unfortunately, we're out of time. So, if you want to leave us a voicemail about related topics, you can call us at one two one three five three four eight eight zero seven. That's one two one three five three four eight eight zero seven. I feel like this is going to be a conversation that we're going to continue to explore in years to come. So, please give us your thoughtful information and feedback. We love hearing from you because you guys are always so astute and insightful. So, please. Give us a call, 1-213-534-8807. You can also email us, movies at wisecrack.co. That's movies at wisecrack.co. All right, where can people find you on the internet, Amanda? I'm writing Wisecrack videos all the time. I tweet like once every three months at my name, Amanda Shirker. You can, you'll get the thrill of a quarterly 
thought. <laughs> <laughs> and Raymond, what about you, brother? Uh, you can find me on Twitter and Letterboxd. I'm at Crematoria. And also, I just want to say it's uh, the end of a rough year. Um, you know, we just watched a movie with uh, two, two wonderful actors who passed away, John Ritter and Bernie Mac. Rest in peace to those gentlemen. Uh, we lost a few folks this year in the, uh, in the entertainment industry. We mentioned Sean Connery on our Goldfinger episode, uh, Chadwick Boseman. I'm sure folks remember when he passed away. Uh, but there's also a wonderful filmmaker who passed away in May. Her name was Lynn Shelton. And I just wanted to shout her out because she's one of my favorite filmmakers, and uh, she's not, she wasn't A-list, she wasn't celebrated in the same way as some of these other folks. So uh, I would just say, you know, rest, rest in peace, Lynn Shelton. Just wanted to take a moment on our movie podcast to uh, celebrate a, 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 a movie maverick. Gone too soon, but not forgotten. I love that. She's amazing. That's really cool. Yeah. yeah. I completely forgot that Bernie Mac passed away. I kind of thought that he was still doing his thing, was just quiet. Damn. Uh, yeah, so that's pretty much it. I'm Austin Hayden Smith. You can find me on Twitter, Austin underscore Hayden, on Insta, AUS underscore HAY. I do a philosophy podcast called Owls at Dawn. Yada, yada, yada. Raymond, send us out, brother. Uh, I'm trying. Can I do, do, I'm, do a holiday <laughs> I song? I fucked up the holiday one. Do it. Do, uh, do it. Uh, jingle bells, jingle bells, we've shown you the meaning. Everybody have a good Christmas and New Year's. Happy holidays, everyone.